What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast, a Monday W edition, a War for the Wheel W edition. I am Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, honestly, to get to 3-0, and it has not been easy. Our last two games have been as close as you can get. Honestly, we could be 1-2 and two where it sits right now, but that is not the case, Noah. Another incredible matchup with the SEMO Redhawks in this rivalry game. It's always chippy between the players and the fans. And we had our own kind of experiences. But, no, it's always fun going to Cape, and we got the job done. When, like I said, at a time, you, you can actually jump into it. You told me – you mentioned it after the game what the win probability was for SEMO there at the end of the game. But, no, we made some big plays and got the dub. What's going on? Yeah, definitely a – it was an emotional roller coaster where you saw the same same offense from the week prior, second half that just could not get it done. And I mean, right then you said the win probability right there with two minutes ago, Simo had a ninety seren point five percent win percentage win probability, and it just felt like Geno Hess had been getting what he needed and he was going to do it, but. Defense came up big again. This is we've been saying this is an elite defense, and they just made more made another play to get this offense in position to win it, and they did that. I mean, um, says right here, eighty six hundred people. The SEMO sold it as a sellout, which seats ten thousand. So that's not a not a sellout. That's false advertisement, SEMO. But um, yeah, it was great walking in, going by the frat houses, them flipping us off and stuff like that. And we said, we'll see you after the game. But when we went by after the game, there was nobody out there. So they had already partied too much. Yeah, that's where we're going to start. We always start with the experience and, and walking into pregame notables here. You're right. We it's always we ate at Dexter's Barbecue. And we got there at a decent time and then got to the stadium. It's always a burden trying to find a place to park at SEMO. We found a spot on a, on a back road somewhere. And then, yes, walked by the place we knew about before two years ago. They always yell at you and always say mean and bad things. And we were just, you know, said, bring it on with all the all the uh, bad stuff they were saying. Because, of course, we were confident going into this game. We remember our predictions, what it was. So we were confident, you know, and, we yeah, we did say – We'll, we'll see him back. And then we were able to walk by there near right. They were not outside. We were still kind of heckling him back. It's funny how that goes. But, again, we're always funny and fun whenever SEMO, uh, you know, we go to SEMO and there's always the bad fans. They never show up to our place, though. It's always at their place, clearly. So it was great fun. Yes, got there. Got there about an hour before. And clearly when we get there in newly renovated place, it actually looks decent on that side. Uh, you know, concession stands on, on the roadside was cash only. So if you didn't have it, you had to go all the way back. And we, you know, somebody's went over there and said that there was like a cool little area underneath the bleachers. You can kind of see it on the far side. It's like a little dining area underneath. So they kind of done a good job with it. They totally did because we drove by the front before we parked and they, they definitely got away with the, uh, with the Coliseum look. It actually is pretty nice how they did it. So uh, good for them on doing all that. I remember they were going to spend a lot of money on fixing a lot of stuff and maybe a practice facility or something, but good experience overall. And obviously throughout the game, there were some interesting ones, but pregame notables going in this one, we did say we were there an hour before. It was hot till the sun went down. Always great to have night games, but Noah, some stuff we noticed before the game when we were walking in, actually, we saw a lot of 
a lot of guys we knew either needed waivers or apparently hurt. We did see Jake Perella for the first time in a while. He, he did not make the NIU trip. We saw him on the sidelines at the home game. And you noticed that he looked like he has like a scar on his knee from some knee surgery he probably had. So we honestly should not expect Oregon State linebacker transfer Jake Perella this season. That's not confirmed. No one's ever talked about him, but it's just with our eyes, it appears. Um, no, we saw, I mean, we'll just say, I mean, we saw all the, the three guys notable that we need waivers for. That is Marcelo Mendiola. That is James Caesar was at the trip on the trip with a headset on the, on the field, you know, being his, you know, exuberant self. Saw Noah Finsky made the trip on this one again. Uh, Colin Smith, who we know is a tackle depth piece, younger guy. He's the second year here. He's either hurt or just not. I feel like they wouldn't have sent him here if he was like just, you know, was typical everyone else and just wasn't good enough to make the trip or be dressed this week. He appears to be hurt. Um, no, those are the most notable ones. I mean, but we can start out with other ones, other things that we know. Your thoughts on those, if you have any, but other things we noticed of who was, you know, some redshirt freshmen that were there that still weren't dressed along with some true freshmen. There's a notable wide receiver we've been seeing uh, or not seeing on there that good thing he's still apparently on the team. And then some other things you see there, even their former player that we know retired was in attendance. Any other things that we noticed pregame? Yeah, just some other things. It's like every SEMO road trip, it feels like. Um, if guys can't not allowed on the trip to ride down with the team, they they pack up in cars and they they ride down themselves. So that's always cool seeing the red shirt freshmen like Logan Minton and other guys, Aiden Durig and those guys riding down there and getting to put their jerseys on, go in the locker room and just be around the team, even though they can't make the bus trip apparently or something like that. But yeah, I didn't see Jay Jones. We don't know exactly if he wasn't at NIU. NIU either. We talked about that a little bit, but um, still on the roster on the website. So don't exactly know. Felt like he would travel with some of the guys if that was a thing, uh, if he wanted to come. But yeah, definitely weird because we thought he was going to be a big piece with Zach Gibson as a depth piece. Um, then some other guys, Ryan Chanley. I mean, he was not dressed as well, but he made the trip. Some other redshirt freshmen we haven't seen. I mean, we've seen him at the first home game, but we haven't seen him at NIU or this trip. Like Brian Brown, Charles Young, Jalen Banks um, played and dressed against Austin P, but didn't see him last week, didn't see him this week. And also you mentioned John Vollmer wearing some old gear in the dog pound, still around, probably finishing getting his degree, but had to. I think he medically retired eventually. Yeah, and we, we were kind of scoping him out. He was wearing, like, old gear that he had when he was a player. We Yeah, he retired. So just those are just little things you notice. But you're right, that 2022 class is looking a little, you know, iffy right now because we aren't seeing guys. As I remember seeing it, it was. It was Austin P. And I guess we can expect to see all these guys at the home games, but we're not going to see them on the road, I suppose, because you mentioned all the ones there. Guys, that we, you know, there's true freshmen playing over a lot of these guys, and either that means that – I mean, clearly it just has to mean that they're just playing over him, which is interesting. And we just noticed Ryan Shanley's um, body language, you know, wasn't the best, but that's just a little stuff you notice. Uh, yeah, he was there with all the other true freshmen that, you're right, apparently have to bring themselves here and then put on a jersey and go. So that's interesting. But um, some other things we noticed were just, you know, non-player-wise when we get here. Like we didn't see the likes of C.J. Parson or anything like that. But uh, 
did see Avante Cox. The great Avante Cox was still was there for his third straight game. We've seen him. It is funny because he, he's worn the same shirt again. He was climbing through the uh, the bleachers in front of us before he found his way to the field. Um, and all the higher-ups made the trip. Chancellor Lane, Tim Leonard, Matt Kupek, who apparently is wearing a boot. No telling who he got injured, but he is wearing that. And then we saw this. I just had to put him on here because he was here. Aaron a day away. Marion basketball and football legend. Um, and we know he's found his way through the NFL and, and other different leagues and stuff. But just noticed he was there. We know he, he was at SEMA at one point. So he was sitting on our side. He was rooting for SIU. It's crazy how they never gave him a chance in any sport back in the day. So there's all the pregame stuff. You know, into this game now. I mean, again, it was a crazy one, and you said it earlier that the offense, the crappy offense, carried its way into this game, and you know that you know we we won the toss, we deferred to the second half. Simo was up first, and our defense was up first. They kind of started to do a couple things. We know they had their usual usual people out there, besides the ones that we said did not play due to injury. But no, it was a pump fest pretty much throughout the first part of the game and Nick Baker was right you know with again which will he only sacked once in this game and Nick Hill talked about the only time that he really was was it you know at the very end of the game which was a weird kind of thing no he was protected and Nick was just missing throws he kept missing Deontay he was overthrowing guys throwing you know throwing balls into the ground and it like yeah it was the same as it was at the end of NIU for the most part and we were not on the field for long and our defense had to come and bend don't break again to start no until they got on the board with a field goal but some of these drives were were ridiculous by Nick by, by both Nick's and the offense as a whole um you know at, at one point before the first half was over we were honestly maybe expecting the QB change we knew it wasn't going to happen but we were kind of wanting it at that point that's how bad things were in the first half yeah, Nick Baker is just – I mean, we saw at the points last year just missing guys, not seeing guys wide open. Um, had Isaiah on a post route, Isaiah slips. It would have been a touchdown if he doesn't slip. I mean, it's just offense still not doing doing what they need to do. I mean, he's getting protection and run game still not where it needs to be. Um, but, yeah, it was just Torney and their, their freshman punter were real busy in this half, but – our defense is what's going to keep us in games for the most part until um, they're going to break at some point, you would think. But this is a bend-don't-break defense and holding them to a couple early field goals while Nick and the offense were trying to figure something out. Yeah, the only good thing that happened on our first couple of drives was he found Aiden Quinn. And, you know, it was, it was a 12-yarder, and it's like this dude gets 15 to 20 yards a catch, it seems like. He just continues to be fantastic. The only bright spot bright spot in that. So, yeah, we were able to hold them to a field goal. So they were on the board first. We punted right after the fact. And, again, it's just – and Tony was getting about consistent 44, 45 yarders. Not the worst, but not great as well. Not flipping the field like we too, like we continuously talk about. Then they got another field goal. So 6 nothing. you know, things aren't going the best. And then we weren't on the field again long. Benson Davis was used a little bit. Jalen Benefield tried to go forward on fourth and one. Noah, Jalen Benefield was stuffed, did not get it. Then they went – luckily, we got a sack. And – or there was a big old tackle for loss, big old tackle for loss. And then uh, they had a really short punt for us, Noah. And then we were pinned – beneath and you know we do the typical trying to run to get you know that's what football teams do they you don't want to drop back and take a surefire safety almost all depending so you try to run the ball this is the first time i've actually seen it in a long time not work no one of the (laughs) that's just 
when was the last time we got a safety on us? You just hardly ever see safeties, as we know. But the first run, it's not like, oh, you maybe get two yards, get out of it, and then you, you know, the next play you get it. It was the very first play, five seconds. The hands went up for the signal of a safety. Just, you know, worst-case scenario to this point, to be honest, and the defense held them again. Um, Dune Smith got a sack in this game. Dune was absolutely incredible. You know, he – he wasn't in the first half of last game and they missed him to that point. And then he came in and then he just wreaked havoc. He is maybe the dog on defense this year, besides PJ Jules racking up these awards after these games, Dune Smith is incredible. The strive that he's made, if he's healthy, you, you see what he can do. So he, he, that happened after we safety, we forced a punt. No, I'm in a play where, you know, Nick got intercepted and he he's sticking to his first reads and finding guys. I mean, a couple of that here are the back-to-back possessions with picks but in between that, Simo scored. But Noah, this this fed into this was the peak of us wanting Nick Baker off the field. Was eyeing guys, especially on the first one. It wasn't as long, but the second drive, Noah was. We were honestly storming downfield just a little bit, and then he tried to find Deontay in the red zone and or uh, Isaiah, excuse me, and he, or it was either one of them. You can say it, and then he just got a rip from him, and that just killed that drive immediately as well. Yeah, just trying to force things that doesn't need to be forced. I mean, last week he didn't turn the ball over. He just took what was given, and he's just staring down his, his number one guy. It's kind of like um, just he's set to the play, all right, this is where the ball is supposed to go, and that's where it's going to go no matter what. So um, needs to get through progressions a little bit better. But, yeah, just can't force things in and just can't turn the ball over like they did. I mean, like I said, this defense was – pretty good for the most part um but after that interception they get to march down which i think there were some personal fouls here on pj and another one i forget i think it was on dune smith for holding to keep the drive going and it's one of the first yeah. drives i felt like we've seen all year that team would just march down and actually score i mean i think they um scored down on the sideline i forget who he burned i think it was uh one of our linebackers on a mismatch. Just, yeah, we're running a wheel route, and I just can't expect guys like that to cover some of these receivers we're going to play. Yeah, and we can't expect our defense to be perfect either. These are the kind of things where if they're on the field so much, they are going to break in the little bitty points. And you're right, and we see, you know, mismatches of linebackers, defensive ends on people they should not be, and that's just kind of the – what happens in some of those plays and yeah, Colin just couldn't keep up. They found him. And so we're down. So they scored in between it again until we said we turn it over in the, in the red zone with that interception. So down 15 up and that led us to the end of the half. And it was, we were, we were sitting next to Dante Cleveland's dad again. And, you know, they actually ran a play. They were pinned inside our 12 yard line and they actually ran a meaningless five yard run. So it just took a knee, get to the half. So then they did. So, you know, and we were partially booing them off the field. It was kind of just one of those, like, you couldn't have came out any more flat than a game where we predicted double digit, uh, you know, uh, win, you know, predicting we both predicted, you know, 14 and 11 point wins respectively. And, um, you know, we were we tweeted beforehand. We got this the spread right on again, along with getting the uh, uniforms exactly right what we did. And it was about three and a half, four spread. It was moving a little bit before the game. But uh clearly it was not what we expected in the first half it was i don't even know the first half stats i wish because the connection was bad at the stadium again it was definitely 
it was disparaged. It was very well uh, different between them and us until the second half happened. And, you know, they came back on the field before, you know, the start of the second half and people were cheering and say, yeah, you either get the, you can either do two things, you get the motivation going by clapping them back on the field, or you can just not do anything expecting to come and do the work. Nick Hill said today that they don't, you know, they have no rah-rah anything for this team. They just kind of, uh, you know, you kind of tell them what they need to fix and do those adjustments that we'll talk about here in a second. But other than that, you just let them go. And that's the good thing about this veteran laden group, which we've seen, you know, happen to this point of what they've been able to do. So, Noah, we, we did get the ball out of the second half. And we were clicking. I mean, it, this was this was a drive where Nick completed all of his passes. Everybody was almost involved on this. It was Roe, it was Isaiah, it was Vincent, it was Aiden for another 15 yards. It was kind of just everything we expected. I mean, it was a first, a second, and then a first again. It repeatedly, repeated first downs until Roe finished us off first and goal. And we thought the momentum was completely swung. You know, the fans were getting going. Had some SEMO fans behind us, which was annoying to hear on occasion. When things were wrong, we saw Noah Pat Poor was getting into it with a with a stupid SEMO student, had sunglasses on, was flipping everybody off, talking crap to the dog pound, was sitting, you know, in front of us as well. And those kind of uh, moments that you know you want to keep receipts in your head and, and if, if the game kind of turns. And we thought the game was turning here. You no, know, like I said, Nick completed all of his passes and we scored, but you know, the specialist strike again, we missed a PAT, Thomas Burks. He hits those line drive punts that are easily bl- – or kicks that are easily blockable. Jake Bumgard was sitting on the bench again, so Thomas Brooks got the run. But no, the tide turned for sure because we were able to uh, – Tim Barga and Barola got him for a sack, and then they were behind the sticks. Next thing you know, they punted it away. No, and we scored again on two plays. Describe that one for us. But, again, your thoughts on Thomas Brooks not finishing a PAT that could have affected this at the end. And it, I guess it kind of did. It affixed, you know, the momentum and just the – how you really approach the latter part of the game on the, what the score is. Yeah, really just on that one, it kind of looked almost like a little bit of a higher snap, and he just had to try to get it off and try to get a quick line drive. Um, but very unfortunate. I mean, it's – I mean, it started right out of half. Jimmy Athens bobbled bobbled the kickoff and barely yep. got it back to the 10 yards. So there you had to go 90 instead of just either fair catching it and doing a lot of less work. But – it was great to see. I mean, Roe got going really early in the second half. Him, Aiden Quinn, and Isaiah were the key components of that opening drive, then defense doing what they do. Um, then right again, that second drive of the half, I mean, Roe finding a four-yard game, then um, getting a little play action and having Vincent Davis run a big old post, and he was wide open, and he gets a 68-yard touchdown. I mean, um, this is another thing. One of the things we talked about in the preview about Vincent, Vincent Davis's all purpose yards, and he was really good at it. Um, and Thomas got the next one, he got a better snap and got a little bit more air on it. And right then and there is a 15 13, you're in the ball game right there. I'm glad you mentioned the Jimmy Athens botch at the start. Vincent kind of let him take it, and he he did, he picked it up and got nowhere, but. Because it was almost worst case scenarios again to start the half because that happened, Noah. And then the, one of the craziest plays we've seen was a backwards pass Nick threw to Isaiah, which then got on the ground and they picked it up for a touchdown. That's what it was on the field. We thought it was going to stick. And luckily they called it an incomplete pass. Like the, the sales were completely out of it fully before we started to go downfield and score. Just insane how you're, how it can go from 
you know, you could have been down whatever the score would have been, 23 to nothing compared to, you know, it's just crazy how that happens. And clearly you, you cannot come back. You could really hard to come back down 23 points. So we caught a real tough break there. And then you mentioned, yes, and then in between all that to that Vincent play, which is what we need to be using them for all this time. We have so many guys that can use in sweeps and any deep balls. And Nick, or no, we met, you know, we, we noticed at the end of the first half, Nick had a dime throw to somebody that's before, I think, um, you know, to somebody, whether it was that or the start of the second. Nick was actually starting to dart his throws. He still wasn't perfect throughout. But obviously, the second half was incredible for him. But he found Vincent in stride, and he did take it to the house. But then Seema was able to match on a seven-play, barely two-minute, 70-minute drive, led by Vic and even, you know, Noah, throughout the second half, just because I think of it, I guess we can get through the takeaway. We saw Jameer Khan in this game guarding some of their guys on third down, which we got some we got some lucky. I guess that hasn't happened yet. It just the stuff that hits you, it was a takeaway. But they were able to storm downfield with ease. Noah, they had a good tight end. They were getting them for 30 yards. And then, G, and then uh, Noah, I believe this is, the, this is the play that we thought we could turn more in our momentum. There was a play. It was right in front of us on that end of the end zone. It was a play that was kind of thrown up. Uh, DeLoren had a lot of ducks in this game, but he threw a ball that Mark Davis got in front of and tipped it. No, and it could have been worse. Like you see it a lot. It actually happened between your and I's team, Chargers Titans last year, where you tip it to a teammate and you save it. Mark Davis tried to do that to whoever it was, DJ, PJ, whoever. I think it was PJ he tried to maybe tip it to. No, he tipped it right to it, right to another receiver for Simo that it got him really close. And then Gino, you just know when Gino gets that close to the end zone, he's like Derrick Henry. He's going to finish the job, and he scored Noah. So that you can get into our next possession, but I think that's when that happened, right, Noah? Whenever we that ball got tipped right to him, and then Gino scored right after that. And then what did we do our next our next possession after that? Yeah, just really unfortunate. Uh, trying to make a play and when you don't need to, just knock it down. Or if you the way he got he should have got his other hand up there and he probably could have picked it off, but uh, just very unfortunate trying to make a play. Um, just got to be smarter a little bit. Terry was talking to him a lot after that, but uh, offense did exactly what it needed to until I mean Roe got us down the field doing his thing. Jalen Benefield, Isaiah Hardtrip for thirty yards. Um, then just an unfortunate thing where fourteen yard. For 14 yards, Schwindman got wide open underneath and just a really good play by Keandre Booker to put the helmet on the ball, and it just popped out. Um, one of those things where it sucks, but got to take care of the football um, because that's just too many turnovers at this point in the game when you're down in a close game. Um, but, yeah, Ryan was really pissed. You could tell they didn't have to say anything when we come on, being pissed on the sideline, so he knows. But um, – Saw linemen come over to him and say, you're good, man. Saw Tim Varga come over here and say, hey, I got you. Just leadership like that. When coaches don't even have to say anything, that players step up and they take the role. And to a young guy like that only in his second year. So good to see guys like that step up. And uh, the defense did step up. They got a three and out, got the offense right, got the ball right back. You're right, and I think that's the qualities of a winning team. When you show, when the coaches don't have the same life, we've already kind of touched on it, but the veterans, you're right. We saw Tim Vargas speaking up. We saw, even when Nick was struggling, he was going to all of his offensive linemen, just patting them up, say, let's go kind of thing. You just saw that, and Nick has kind of emphasized and talked about that himself, but we see it with our own eyes. 
And you're right, they didn't really get after Ryan as much. He was mad in his own right to come back on the field and do better because it was one of those bad, bad plays. But before that, you know, just because we see Isaiah doing these great things and we'll get to some awesome more things he continued to do in the, in the latter part of this game. But we, we saw him juking guys, you know, hurdling guys. Isaiah's healthy and he's showing why exactly he could enter the portal and go power five just because that talent. We always say that because it's always a worry with him that we've seen him do it. But he's healthy. He's showing out. He's helping this team and he's doing phenomenal things. But you're right. Whenever that happened, you know, Schwindemann gets just the easy out for a tight end. And, you know, the momentum's taken him so much. He's such a big guy that two guys hit him. And you, and you see it a lot, actually, with tight ends. And you see it with just big guys in general. And that ball just finds its way out. We didn't think – we thought he was down until we saw the replay and it came out. So, two, you know, before we get to this next one, that was two – that was the interception and the fumble, two in the red zone that took points off the board, which we knew we'd be leading at this point. So very unfortunate using that word tons and tons if it's the only appropriate word to use. So we got it there, but you're right. They were able to punt it right back to us. But that's when, you know, it was unfortunate. Again, we're able to storm downfield. We mentioned that early drive in the second half. Nick was completing all of his passes. He was just dotting guys. Isaiah again. And then we found Vincent Davis for a 27-yard that he caught and ran with again. But then he got – and then he – I was going to say he got tackled from behind, but he just lost the ball. And, of course, no one else is around him. He's a speed demon, no one on our side anyway. And he just was running, got tackled from behind, just lost it out in front of him. So the ball security was just terrible. These were just gut-wrenching turnovers that you just had a feeling like defense is, you know, these offensive plays before these fumbles, the other one was four minutes, this one was 42 seconds. Next thing you know, your defense is back out there. It's just deflating turnovers that we weren't able to get to the last play, to the last plays of the game. But just in general, it just, you know, we thought we were sunk at that point. Let's just say that. So we were down nine, though, at that point, wanting to come back, still down two possessions because of the missed PAT. And then they go down with the defense, you know, letting up 70 yards, three minutes, getting tired. And, you know, they just storm down field and then get a field goal to make it a 12-point game. But then we we went right back five minutes a crazy drive by everybody involved. Nick was getting everybody involved. And we noticed throughout this game, you know, we'll get to his stats, but just the fact that he was able, like I said, he was protected and he was escaping danger when he had to. And he was either running it and sliding or he was just finding guys and a couple broken plays. But we went down, went downfield and scored again. He, this was a broken play at the very end here. Found Isaiah in the back left of the end zone by the pylon for a touchdown. To get us within that crowd was going nuts, so that gets us within five points. Next thing you know, we we they punt. This is when it's setting in for Simo that they still had all these weapons we talked about earlier. They didn't have Flournoy, but they had almost everybody else. But you know that just shows how great our defense is. But then no, we tried to do too much. We go downfield, fifty-three yards, two minutes, have a lot of good things, and then a couple incompletions. We go for it, which at this point of the game, you had all your timeouts. You know you could have punted it and been okay, but no, we went for it at their 30, fourth and 11, uh, and got turnover on downs, and then Noah, we thought the game was over at that point, to be honest, until one of the biggest plays we've seen, Nick Hill touched on it earlier today, it's one of the biggest plays he had ever seen, Noah, we, again, we're down in the dumps, we're having to use our timeouts to this point, we we used two of them, to be exact, Noah's, it was a Geno, Fett, Geno Hess, obviously, drive. They want to run the ball to take the clock out. And the next thing you know, Noah, third and four, the minute 46, 
lay on us what happened. That was the biggest play of the year so far because it led us to doing great things on the other end to seal this game. Yeah, they were just – I mean, the, Gino really just like really patient on this run and was just being very – then he's high, like hiding behind the lineman. Then he rushes to the outside and we just swarmed him. And Desmond Hearns, the, I mean, the redshirt freshman, the young kid, interception last week – would have never thought this was would have happened with Gino has running the football. Um, strips him and he recovered himself. I mean, that's just a huge play by Desmond. Um, with the interception last week after um, the miscommunication on the, the blown coverage and now this making and coming back with an interception and now going in there, stripping it from one of the all time greats in the FCS running backs. Crazy to see big time play. Um, the place was going nuts. It felt like a home game. Yeah, I honestly couldn't believe it because we didn't think, you know, we knew Desmond recovered. I didn't think he stripped it until later on in the game. So just an amazing play. He's had incredible back-to-back weeks. And that gave us the ball with about a minute 35 left in the game. And Deontay was on this play. He was actually hitting Deontay a lot, you know, throughout the second half and started of this play. We did notice, though, throughout most of this till this drive ended, Deontay did get hurt. He was down for a while. His mom was sitting just rushing through the stands. We know Avante was already on the field, and he was down for a little bit until he got up. But then this was Aiden Quinn. Uh, you know, it was first and 10 on that, but Aiden got 11 yards on a short second down. Incomplete pass, and then found uh, Romir for nine yards on a catch. And then, no, that was second and 10, and we're over here at third and one, and Nick gets sacked by Bryce Norman and Keandre Booker, two guys that are just menaces on their defense. So we're back to their nine-yard line, and then desperation happens, and we only have 11 seconds left. We're fourth and 11, whatever it was. And then, no, another broken play, and we obviously this was the game right here. And it would be all for nine after the great play Desmond just made for us to get sacked, run clock out until that 11 seconds left, and then, no, the – a crazy broken play, which we retweeted a video of this play on the on the on on X. If you guys want to go look at it and just hear what it sounded like after Nick found Isaiah for the dub for the game winning touchdown on a crosser, just you know, it didn't take him long. He, he was just a small drop, and he found him. Isaiah just broke his guy and found it, and the celebration began. And the stands for sure. Like I said, if you play the video, you just hear the crowd. It's literally like a home game, and that was on the road. It was insane. So we score, we're thinking we win. It wasn't over yet, Noah, because we got it and we pooch kicked it and the clock messed up, of course. So they only took off four seconds or at least took off six or sevens, what it should have been. So it gave them just small life in general. They made a couple plays. Or by the way, he said that was the only time Nick got sacked and we failed the two-point conversion. So we're only up one. So, of course, do not let him do anything. You know, don't kick it to them, pooch it, take off time so they don't have a play and then a couple incomplete passes. And that end of the game, the team was already storming towards the wheel, brought it back over. We had an awesome video that got spread around. Just one of the most exhilarating games we can remember because we said you said a 97.5% before the Geno has fumble. And then we it took the final play of the game on fourth down for us to convert. No, again, this was one of the most fun games we've ever had, we've ever seen in person for SIU and one of the best in the recent history of this rivalry. And people were just going crazy all over the field, like I said, bringing the wheel over. You know, a tale of two halves, like I said, jump into, jump into this, you know, 
this this box score that let Nick Baker be the national offensive player of the week, which is only the first time it's happened since Mark Iannotti back in 2015. The box score, like I said, tail of two halves, running in close. Nick Baker came to play in the second half, and he led us to victory on his back. Yeah, just crazy to see um, last year at our own, own turf, they score with 11 seconds, and we do the same right back to them this year, steal the wheel back. I mean, Nick Baker – um, his, his own coach called him out in front of the whole team at halftime, and he knows it. Uh, if that's what it takes, I'd be doing it every, before every game because this is the guy we need. I mean, at halftime, we had 54 passing yards, 49 rushing yards, only four first downs, one of five on third down. I mean, they were just outplaying us each and every bit. They knew – all right, this is a team that coming off an FBS win and you knew they were going to get it. And they are looked at as a little, look like the little brother when, when everybody thinks of SEMO SIU. They look like the little brother and that's what everybody thinks about them. No one really gives them the respect. And they just came out and played really well. But, I mean, Nick Baker, you said it, National Player of the Week, 37 of 51 for 458, three touchdowns, did have the two picks, um, only sacked once. Defense was or the offensive line was incredible in this one. I mean, DeLorean ended up with 26, 26 of 46 for 251, one touchdown. Defense got him three times. Um, so big time putting us on the back. Nick Baker, I mean, Nick Hill was asked about it today um, by one of the guys uh, that just after that touchdown, Nick just could tell emotionally drained, and he gave it his all, and that's exactly what Nick Baker did, and that's why he was the FedEx Player, of the, offensive player of the week, and it's absolutely well deserved. Yeah, he had honestly one of the best second halves I think we've seen. I mean, he had four hundred dang yards. I mean, it's beyond a tale of two halves. I mean, you again, you said it. Yeah, we you know found out kind of after the game. Nick didn't. Nick Hill didn't really acknowledge it after the fact. He might have said it in the post game, but yeah, it's like he challenged Nick and like went at him a little bit. And that's that's the kind of stuff like you know. It depends. If you're losing, if you're getting shut out, again, whether you say much to get for a team like this, you need to get into your quarterback and say, hey, man, you make these dang throws. That's the bottom line. So 14 incompletions on that, throwing it 51 times. I mean, again, if you're if our defense is great and, you know, it's hard to run the ball at some points in this game, the offensive line was, you know, and Roe was good with 16 of 67, but our, our uh, offensive line was better in pass pro than it was and helping the run a little bit. So it wasn't really working. So that's why – and obviously, when you're down and you can't, you know, do any clock with the no first down rule with the with the time that you have to throw it. That's what we did. So yeah, incredible game. Only nine per, which is kind of shocking with how big as some of those plays were. But did mention Rose game good. Had a touchdown on the ground, of course. Nick, we mentioned it. I mean, he sacked once. If he like last week five sacks and he had negative yardage. This week four for fourteen because he was able to run a little bit and save himself and save a lot of possessions. Vincent Davis, he would have had much, much more, I'd say much more, probably like 15 or more yards. He would have got ran down. Just, you know, obviously the fumble kill. The 8 of 126, been waiting for a game from Vincent like this. 16 per, had the tutty. Then Isaiah, when he's healthy, he's doing things like seven catches, 94 yards, 13 per, and two tutties. Aiden Quinn, phenomenal. He's literally, he's, he's already eclipsed with Jacob Garrett probably – Jacob Garrett probably had, what, a couple hundred receiving yards last year. Aiden Quinn's going to crush that. We like to think over the course of time here, six for 80, 13 per. Deontay, we mentioned he got hurt near the end of the game. 
but he was fine. We like to think nobody asked about him. Nick kind of acknowledged it uh, near the end there, but of his presser. But five for 64, 13 per row, seven of 56 in the air. Incredible. Row Elliott is a he's a superstar for us. We've talked about it. He's like, oh, is he going to win the job? He's hurt. He's, he's this high on the all-time charts for everything. It's like when he's healthy, he is incredible. He's tough to tackle. He gets those extra yards. He finds his seams in the, in the, on the ground. It's just he's incredible, and he can do both. And 756 is honestly insane. Jalen Benefield, he was on the field a lot. Nick said that they what no, he said that he wanted Rowe to get 20, 20 uh, runs in this one. He only got 16. And they also said Jalen Benefield, they had those two on the field a lot. He also said confirmed because Justin Strong did dress. He said he did not play or did not participate in practice this week. It is his ankle, but do expect him to play against Missouri State. It's clear that'll be like three and a half weeks by the time that it, he had seen action. So we'll see Justin in, in a couple weeks. But And then we mentioned Schwinnemann had the one catch, was 14 before he fumbled. And then uh, on returns-wise, I mean – Again, it's the equivalent of pretty much just fair catching and getting where it is. You know, Vincent had three for 64-21 on average. Uh, Noah Dayton-Mitchell got hurt in this game. We did see uh, – which is unfortunate. We use that word, word again because Dayton's pretty reliable. We're not going to get much, which is like the Javon thing. We want to get some yardage, but as long as Dayton's going to take care of it, so be it. And we saw Jalen Reed get his first legit action all season. We were kind of wrong on him and Zach Gibson so far through the season, what we said in – you know, the start of the season, but no, I mean, that's how it was an offense. Like I said, a historic almost offensive game by these guys. If we do this, I mentioned before on the pregame, we need a game where we click on all cylinders. If we are, we're going to be impossible to beat. And we were fringe impossible to beat in that second half minus some crappy turnovers. Offense was incredible. Noah, the defense, though, again, saved the day. What did that look like? And it was led by a guy that also got another award this week, back-to-back weeks. Yeah, that's – the great PJ Jules. I mean, the way he's going, did get banged up in this game. Came off with like looks like his hand. I was thinking of the worst right away that he could have broke us broke something in that hand. But he went right back out there after having it looked at. I mean, fifteen tackles, ten assisted, five solo, a half tackle for loss, three PBUs. I mean, this guy's everywhere. This is why he's on the Senior Bowl watch list. This is the best. Um, defensive guy we've had since Jeremy Chin, who is playing on Monday Night Football right now and has made some good plays so far in this game. But, I mean, this is a guy where if he continues and keeps racking up Missouri Valley defensive players a week, he'll be at the Senior Bowl and be in front of a lot of eyes um, for the NFL scouts and stuff. But, I mean, we talked about it. Dune was really great in the first half. I mean, he was everywhere, two and a half tackles for loss, a, a sack. Uh, QB hit, 11 tackles, um, did come off the field a little bit in the second half because um, he had a, a late hit on Geno Hess out of bounds, and they were doing a little bit of discipline, I think, and letting other guys go out there like Zach Barilla in his spot. But um, those two led the way in a great defensive effort. You're right, and PJ's on pace to do the things that, yeah, I mean, Javon, senior bowl watch list, didn't do anything. It's like we need a guy that's going to get back on that map to get that, Jeremy, which you said, yes, he's already had his own big pass breakup tonight as we speak and stuff, but 15 tackles is insane. I mean, everything you said there, he's all over the field, and the fact that, you know, we see sometimes where he ain't going to be perfect either, but you know, he gets beat on a play, but he's not going to let a guy, you know, go for much further. He's tackling him, and he's going down. He's a physical guy. And you said it, yes, that was one of the most notable things. Heck, our two most important guys on both sides of the ball, arguably, got hurt 
in the second half, but all for not, PJ was on the field shortly after. Yes, his hand, he looked to be in pretty bad pain, but they talked to him after the game. He said he could have played Missouri State right after that again. So that's just the kind of guy he is, and he's healthy, hopefully, going in this bye. Just incredible, though. I mean, 10 assisted, which means he's all over the place, you know, helping his teammates. And Dune, you said it. Yeah, I agree. He was out for a little bit because of the disciplinarian reason, which is what needed to happen, I think, to even snap it back into him to continue to be great. But Barola was great. Even a guy like Branson Combs, Noah, which we said, hasn't really been himself. That offensive play in NIU, but just in general, like, you just you didn't hear him much, even though he did have, you know, a half tackle for loss and six total himself. You just – he's not doing the total things. You know, he's a guy that you would like to be in that position that Colin was, following the tight end on the wheel route for a touchdown or whoever it was. That's the kind of stuff – like, because uh, Bohannik, Barola, and Dune are all line of scrimmage guys. Branson is too. He's multidimensional, but he's a former receiver. He needs to be out in coverage, and I don't think they would have scored if Branson – you know, presses them at the line, maybe, and then follow whatever the heck happened. I don't think they probably still would have scored. It was a lot of separation, but Branson, I think, would have gave us a better chance there. But he was good. Mark Davis was good. A lot of tackles for loss, which was Noah, which was your bull prediction. What do you say? Five tackles for losses. Definitely got that. A lot of guys went in for that. I mean, Dante Cleveland had a good game. Ubed Steve was a good tackler in this game. Really were no flaws, Noah, outside of the one, you know, we kind of narrowed down the only flaw in this defense seems to be. Uh, you know, not getting off the field on third down and allowing a lot of big plays. Simo was able to get a, a lot of big plays on some of those drives to, uh, you know, to do what they did. But again, it got your over on tackles for loss, had three sacks, as you said earlier, and had the fumble forced on by Desmond Hearn. So an all around awesome effort again. It's, you know, we haven't, you know, DJ Johnson didn't really get tested. We mentioned Jameer Khan got in the game for whoever because we stacked what Mark and DJ on one side had Jameer on the other. Um, and, you know, we saw the typical, you know, special teamers in this game, you know, some young guys as well. So an all around awesome effort in that we already kind of went through the team stats, but we ended up getting having more, you know, around the same first downs, 23 apiece first downs, four of six on fourth down for us. We're two of 11 on third. That continues to be a struggle for the offense. So what is that? That is like three for 22 the last two games on third down. Awful. Demo was six of 18. Ended up having over 200 more total yards thanks to Nick's passing in the second half. But, I mean, Noah, again, I'll get your final thoughts when I segue back over. I have a couple more takeaways. But in general, if I would have told you we had four turnovers inside the red zone, we allowed a safety, and we had a blocked PAT that affected it, and we had seven penalties for 70 yards, and they had one penalty in this game. It's like last week. If I told you all that stuff – you would have said we would have lost by the score that we predicted, right? Noah, your final thoughts on this crazy, crazy game. Yeah, I would exactly say not a chance you won this football game. I mean, crazy crazy things happen in games like this when you're playing a rival. Um, and it just we got to figure it out. That's why we've – this bye week comes at a good time for this team. But just a great atmosphere, Saluki – Saluki Nation traveled and it felt like a home game in that second half. Um, Simo did a good job keeping keeping our side quiet for most of the first half. But man, once once things got rolling, I mean, if Nick Baker does what we expect of him, like he did in the second half, we get what we predicted and we win this game pretty comfortably. But um, great to bring the wheel back. It was a great environment, good trip. Always fun going down to Simo. Um, can't wait till next year's wheel to defend it, but um, 
moving on. I mean, just, I mean, PJ and Nick getting more words. I mean, we're moving up slowly but surely in the rankings, and we'll get to that here shortly. But just a great win. I mean, that's one of the greatest college environments I've been part of. No doubt. I mean, it was – I totally agree. I mean, again, the atmosphere, having our own away side, even though the couple of single fans we said we had behind us, other than that, it was phenomenal. And it was just the back and forthness is what you love in football games. And then you end up with the win. A couple of things here we noticed. We said Schwindemann, he did have kind of a, a, break, a sleeve on his knee, but just because that segued with Iverson Brown, we didn't think either would play, both on the depth chart. Iverson did play, and he did start before Desmond fully took over for him. We saw Iverson getting his club worked on, and then we kind of didn't see him again. Maybe it was bothering him a little bit. He should be good in a couple weeks. Uh, just other things that happened in this game. The rest were awful. We mentioned, uh, you know, a couple plays there on some, which they helped us. I guess they overturned that incomplete pass from the backwards play. But you know, they were missing tons. They missed face masks almost every other play. It would seem like against us. And then we had a delay game, which Nick Hill was running rampant about because the ref. You know, they, they he stands, you know, over the center waiting for, for whatever, but the play clock was winding down, and then he gets out of the way, and then all of a sudden we get a delayed game. It's like, what are you doing? Like, the refs were not good again in this game. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, other than that, offensive line did protect really well, but then other than that, yes, we should have won bigger, took points off the board on some of those drives. That was the main thing. We should have won by as much as we said and scored, but a win is a win. And that one point twenty six to 25 victory no that wasn't the only good game i guess or just of overall game. it was the game of the week it lived up to it what other games happened on the league you mentioned the rankings we are climbing up not we're even what we expect to be even on some of them but no the other recent games that happened what were they yeah there's some decent other games aside ours but um looking just around i mean rhode island we talked about it they played maine on friday night they pick up a win 34 17 um, Holy Cross beat Yale comfortably, 49-24. Others, Davidson beat Marist, 49-21. Um, Harvard beat St. Thomas, 45-13. Um, just, just some other ones. Weber State went on the road at Utah, 31-7 loss for them. Just others around there. Um, Richmond beat Delaware State, 38-6. Idaho had California on the ropes for most of the game, but um, they drop a drop a game to Cal, 31-17. Then one of the other games of the week, Southeastern Louisiana versus Eastern Washington, a 40-29 to win for Eastern Washington, that one. A big-time win. William & Mary took care of business against Charleston Southern. NC Central lost 59-7 to UCLA. Um, then looking around, um, there's one more I wanted to get to. It was Eastern or Western Carolina beating Eastern Kentucky 27, 24 in a barn burner. So before I got to the Valley games, North Dakota on the road on the, in the blue turf up in Boise, Idaho, a 42, 18 loss. Um, that's their first loss of the season to an FBS team. So, um, then Indiana state playing back to back money games. They went on the road to a max school like we did, but they played ball state, um, 45 to seven loss for Indiana state. They're going to be the worst team in the conference. South Dakota took care of Lamar at home, 35, six Youngstown looking pretty good. So far a 48, 28 win over Robert Morris, um, Illinois state 
newly in the top 25 last week, goes on the road to Charleston, Eastern Illinois, 14-13 um, win. I think it was a, one of the last second touchdowns in the closing seconds for Eastern to win that one. So pretty good games around the state of Illinois. Then Central Arkansas goes up to the Fargo Dome, 49-31 loss for them. North Dakota State handling business. Then I don't know why they put this one on a neutral side, playing at where the Twins play. 70-7 to win for South Dakota State. I mean, there was a lot of Jackrabbit fans there, but for that to be a neutral side game, um, kind of crazy for me The why they chose that one. Northern Iowa goes on the road, takes care of business at Idaho State, 41-17 to get their first one of the year. Then in a wild game, because they showed us they showed us um, the, the scores of some games around the around the OVC at halftime, and it was – I forget what the score was. It was like 31-14 Western at halftime. Western Illinois ends up losing at home to Lindenwood, 43-40, being outscored 29-9 in the second half. So there were some crazy games just around the Valley but all over the place in the country. Even going back to that Idaho game you said where they had a 17 nothing lead and then they blew it as well. But I didn't know the Western blew that game. I'm looking at the score. Yeah, 83 total points and they barely lose. I mean, that again, the signs of when we play these teams, we need to show no mercy kind of thing. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's actually funny thinking about it. Western's going to have a, a wild year out before they leave. But you're right. No. 70 points, let's go stay. Just, uh, just a waste of time, waste of money for doing it on that field. But standings-wise, as we've said, there's only been really one conference game to play. That was when Illinois State beat Western a couple weeks back or last week or something. So they have an early edge, you know, even though they are 2-1 and one on the year. But everyone's going to be playing conference games, which we will dive into on our bye because not everybody has a bye. There's only a couple teams. We'll talk about those when we get to that point. Um, and you mentioned the – uh, the, the rankings, yes, we were waiting for some of these. You know, it was early in the morning on Sunday whenever Craig Haley came out with his. Uh, we were top seven on his. We were seventh in the country. Jamie Williams had as the seventh. Those were the highest that we've seen. But then, you know, we get into, you know, later parts of yesterday and into today, Joe DeLeon, which is a cultural ball and draft analyst for um, Believe Network, he had us at at eleven. Triumvirate poll had us at 11. Stan Beckton, actually, which never talks about us, and finally did. He had his new power 10, had us at 10, which was an awesome sign seeing us on there, uh, shouting us out and getting us that that's the appropriate one we wanted to see. And, you know, all the others that have come out, the AFCA, you know, kind of coaches poll kind of thing, had us at 13, which is too low. We were the highest riser with five. We know we were 18 on their last year. FCS fans nation radio had us at 10 appropriate. And then uh, the main account tweeted about the FCS stats perform poll had us at number 12. I mean, no other than that going through all those, I just said it there. It seemed like 10 was the appropriate. I mean, we were kind of upset thinking about that because whether they say, you know, we took into account, well, you had to come back to win, but that shows more in a team. I said to you, everything that I, you know, happened to us and we still won, that should mean that you're easily top. And it all happens about who else is around you and who else did what, but no, there's a couple of teams that really shouldn't be ahead of us. We should easily be top 10, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I mean, North, North, uh, North, North, New Hampshire, then Montana right in front of us. And Montana had a home game 
even though it's one against one of the top Division two teams, they almost lost that one. Then New Hampshire, um, Idaho lost. I mean, we should. I mean, we have the, we have the best resume in the FCS with a road FBS game win and a top a top fifteen FCS road win. I don't know. It doesn't matter how you win, as long as you win, you should jump. I just feel like they're still sleeping on us a little bit, and we're gonna take this this bye week to get it going. And once we get the conference play, we're gonna show why we were a top ten, top I'd say top seven team in the country right now. Yeah, if we can get that record at the end of September before we go to Youngstown which they'll still continue to be ranked as time goes on too. It's going to be a phenomenal. That'll be the game of the week again, maybe all depending what happens that week. But yeah, we, we need to continue to show why we are that. That's why winning the games you should and just getting after the juggernaut we just had. You said it, best resume. Jamie Williams said that prior. If we won it, if we won the game, and we did, definitely best resume. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, we mentioned the accolades that went to Nick and PJ this week, kind of crazy. Uh, and then some small tidbits from Nick's presser. He said that during this buy, and we'll talk more about it. Obviously, we'll have some other things in our buy episode at the end of the week. But Nick did say they'll, they'll have a lot of self-scouting during this buy week and reviewing the snap counts for the veterans to see who, you know, who should need a couple more days of less physicality and less practice. He said there'll be a lot more young guys getting reps and practices this week because he said, you know, they're going to need a lot of those guys to the latter part of the season. So we've said it before. We've already seen through three games a lot of true freshmen. A lot of those guys are not going to clearly redshirt. We're going to see Jameer Khan, Jimmy Athens, and, you know, plenty of others throughout the game. Those are really the notables that stick out to me. But a lot of guys will still dress, but we'll see the most notable ones that will continue to play for us throughout, throughout the rest of the season. And Nick Hill did say in the presser today also that even starting today on this Monday, the coaches are out recruiting, watching high school players, and that's what he'll continue to do, our recruiters. And obviously guys will stick with the players here and prepare in the bye and do everything I just said leading up to next week when Nick Hill said it'll be a full, complete Missouri State week so most notables there did uh obviously you know in regards to the commits we will know more about that on the you know at the end of this week in the next episode we will be in touch with the commits this week about seeing if they'll give us you know some things even though we still can get some we said it on the last one we want to get more so we'll be in touch with them throughout all of this so we'll have more on that for you guys this week we did see a lot of a lot of guys are loving what they're seeing though which is a great thing obviously when you win you make commits happy and you make potential recruits happy. And hopefully that's what the coaches will be preaching to them on the road this, this week. Real quickly, NFL Salukis, uh, we, we said Jeremy's playing right now, and he has, as we speak, three solo tackles. Uh, let's see. He has three solo tackles, one tackle for loss, and that pass defense that Noah said, a kind of a pass breakup early in the game. And then Ryan Neal had a heck of a game. He led the Buccaneers in tackles this week against the Bears with eight. And he had his own tackle for loss. So Ryan Neal doing great things. Mike Cole is, I guess, dressing, but not playing for the Falcons. And that's where they stand going into their next week here. So, Noah, we're 3-0 and for the first time since 2014. It's the first time, obviously, under Coach Hill in that regards. A lot of awesome things going into the Bible, and we'll come to everybody next uh, to do the commits and just everything. We'll have, like, a – well, we'll talk about like what the stats are, what the pros and cons are. We'll have like a thing we did kind of did last year. After every three games, we'll kind of do a surface of stats and just a status report kind of thing, Noah. So before we come to everybody again, your final thoughts on this 3-0 season up to this point, what you've liked and obviously everything going into before we talk at the end of the week. 
Yeah, it's it, it was a big time three zero start. I mean, getting the wins that uh, over a top fifteen on the road, then getting the FBS win. I mean, we both had us two and one in our preseason predictions, um, coming out of these first three games, and we're already ahead of ahead of schedule from what we predicted. It's just big time getting to see exactly um, going over what they what they see, what's beating us, and what what we can do better getting some young guys because Nick Hill said it. We're going to need some young guys down the stretch here. So um, hopefully they get some big time reps and see what they happen and get some guys that are banged up healthy to go for the conference because we play in the best conference in the FCS. We call it the SEC um, of the of the FCS for a reason. So got to get healthy, see what, see what defensively we can make some adjustments, even though we've been great. Only thing I could say, um, limit Limit the big plays because that's what's killed us. Like I said, Simo had one drive all game where they just was able to sustain it and then punch it in. We haven't seen it. It's a lot of big plays we've been giving up. Then they eventually score um, once they're down in the 10-yard line or so. So, seen a lot of bend, or bre- bend, don't break defense, holding teams to field goals. And hopefully this week, a bye week, we can figure out the kicking situation because it's – I I saw it yesterday with the Tennessee Titans. It's finally nice to have a kicker to be able to send out there and not have to worry about it. SEMO has one. Everybody we play has one. So hopefully our special teams can figure it out this week. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Everybody just needs to get better in their own regard, whether that is everything, and, and just get guys rest on the defensive side. You said it. Timo had a lot of those plays that also were drops. They had a couple of guys dropping big plays on passes. So we cut a lot of breaks, but all for not 3-0, got the job done on that crazy Desmond Hearns fumble that led to Isaiah Hartrup finishing it off. An incredible atmosphere at Houck Field. One, one of the team and us will never forget a 26-25 win, and the wheel is back in Carbondale. Like we said, we will come to you guys at the end of the week. For like a kind of a buy preview and everything before, obviously, we come to Missouri State when the Valley kicks off, and that's when it ever so gets going. And no trap games, take care of business. That's what the team always says they do, and we believe them. So until we talk at the end of the week in a buy episode for Nick Malone. Noah Lurch. As always, great to be undefeated. Go Ducks.